<laughs> a lot of pressure, man. Yeah, it is. Evil. And evil. Not our real names. Nailed it. too much man <laughs> welcome to the podcast i want <laughs> you just drive right up put my pants on one leg at a time <laughs> when i do <laughs> that I make gold podcasts <laughs> now we're rolling so, eh? yeah so the reason hey. you're hearing that is tonight was supposed to be scotland pa my pick but I chose not to because we couldn't find it available unless we'll you it. bought a used DVD and oh, there were only yeah. so many available. Like, it's not streaming anywhere that we could find. That's all right. So, so, welcome to A Little Independent, the podcast where two friends talk about independent, obscure, or just plain weird or impossible to find movies. My name's Ryan. <laughs> and I'm Todd. Hey, Todd. Hi, Ryan. How's it going? It's great. Good. How are you doing? I'm doing my best. Staying I, I awake? have to be honest. <laughs> This um, our movie today. It, it it it's been a crazy week for me, so I'm glad that you chose a lighthearted romp um, <laughs> that I could just kick back, right? You know, no stress, no worry. But we'll get there. You know, um, doesn't have no, nothing intense. I am tired. I have a lot of questions about the movie. I am overly tired, so I hope I'm not too annoying to the listeners and to yourself with questions. <laughs> but I think I had a pretty good handle on it. But I, were we talking about um, – it, it's been a little while, but I was thinking about you know independent movies in the 80s and earlier movies, and it occurs to me that Taxi Driver is an independent film. Ah. It was produced independently. Okay. Then I started thinking about you know Robert De Niro, and I see this article. And we talked a little bit ago. I had to see when we rented the theater, the AMC theater, and our pick – the only thing, or my son picked War Against Grandpa or The War on Grandpa with Robert De Niro. Yeah. What the fuck has happened to that guy? Again, I told you. That it was wasn't bad, Grandpa, because you, you wouldn't be able oh, to no, the Oh, no, he's in that, that, too. Yeah. But what has happened to Robert De Niro? Like, name the last good movie that he was in. I think I go with Heat. With <laughs> <laughs> Taxi Driver. And that, I, I, he was okay in The Irishman, but, like, he has been in crap, so... I think maybe he's trying to explain what's going on because I read an article today about the fact that his estranged wife uh, and how he has to finance her lifestyle. It says Robert De Niro's lawyer claims the actor is being forced to work at an unsustainable pace and accept every role he is offered, regardless of artistic quality, to finance his estranged wife's luxury lifestyle. <laughs> So are they making up a story like this is why he's been shitty for so long because he's he's just taking whatever because he's got to pay alimony. Yeah, they they were married in 1997. They split in 1999. Renewed their vows in 2004. What a mess! It says Mr. De Niro is 77 years old, and while he loves his craft, he should not be forced to work at this prodigious pace because he has to. <laughs> yeah, dude, just just get Social Security and call it a day. And it says De Niro's worth 500 million. And the judge ruled that his estranged wife is to receive $1 million per year in a divorce settlement. Well, and it says, like, COVID 
has left De Niro in a precarious financial position, and her continued spending exacerbates this. Well, the five hundred million is not yeah. liquid then, yeah, or isn't right because he would just say, you know, here's one a year. It's like <laughs> Bruce Willis. We talked about this, Bruce Willis, and I did this research one time since like two thousand ten or sixteen has been in like 25 straight-to-video, yeah. the same movie with the same cover. I even showed you the covers are the same. Yeah. And it's just who's in it. You know, it could be Hayden Christensen. It could be Mark Paul Gossler. They're all like exit wound or hostile or... Yeah. But how... I mean, he's just doing well, Henry, shit. Henry Cavell and... Uh, and uh... Okay, we're starting with Superman. Okay. Yeah, Superman and Alien. Sigourney Weaver. Thank you. Yeah, I did yeah, not cue help. the cue the. <laughs> we need a clap track for for me remembering Sigourney Weaver that that actually took a delay. Is, is she is shame, an obscure actress? Shameful. I get that. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> she's a little indie. You may be tired, but you know you're firing on all cylinders over there, buddy. <laughs> she was amazing in Cabin in the Woods. Amazing Copycats, yeah. another fun movie but, that she's in. So the Bruce Willis one with those two, you, that one wasn't too bad. That's I can't true. think of the name of it. But there's one that just came out where he's like in a hot, and I th- I've not seen any of these, but he's got to be just in them for five minutes and he's piecing out. Well, right? we're to the point where we see him and it's just like, no, it's going to be the same movie I've yeah, seen. But he's the only last in one 10. scene. He's like, he's working for two days and that's it. <laughs> because there's so many of these. Yeah. And they're just like, we got Willis, put him on the cover. Yeah. Is he paying alimony too? Or? No. Uh, no, I think he and Demi Moore are pretty tight. They're like, Pretty, they're not a Oh, now that uh, Pretty Boy has moved on to his new wife? Ashed, I don't know what the deal is there. This is not, that's not my bag, but I remember yeah. Bruce Willis spent COVID with Demi Moore and the kids, and that was a big deal, but they seem to be oh, wow. tight. So I don't, I don't know what he's paying, and she's yeah. got her own things, but. When did we become a gossip? Uh, I don't know. How we're giving we, how the did, people what they how want, How did we dude. do that? I've read the emails. The well, feedback is the like celebration we want of independent more film bullshit. And... <laughs> I just thought the De Niro thing was funny because it feels like somebody's like, "We got to explain why you suck lately." Yeah, and it's because of your ex-wife making you work and take every single role, regardless of artistic quality. Yeah, well, it ties in perfectly because one of the the interview and and I recommend watching the interview um, with Joaquin and the director in Cannes. Um, I always want to say cans, but it's not. It's can. Well, some people say con. And I can't get it, you know. Ricardo Montalban. Well, style. he. I, I, I say it. I, it's can. Do I have to do it? No. Like in. Con! Yeah. How, you could was, yell. That con. was terrible. That's all right. You got to go so, for it. Anyway, they, one of the people in the crowd, you know, these, uh, you know, from the, the post and this and that, you know, they're from all the different. Um, like publications and, and yeah, yeah. So these these are not just regular outlets. Joes, but one of them was like, this is you know referencing Taxi Driver and did oh, he, did he draw you know? We should probably tell them what movie we did. Yeah, well, he said this Joaquin. is the perfect cue up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so Taxi Driver did get asked in that interview and referenced, and of course Joaquin, you yeah. know, he's not a he's not a real talkative. He's not. He doesn't do press very yeah. often. <laughs> Well, but we, he does good in this one. We did, yeah. and this is Todd's pick, uh, 2017's You Were Never Really Here. Um, and more of a recent movie. And the film description. All right, it's 2017. 2017. A traumatized veteran 
unafraid of violence, tracks down missing girls for a living. When a job spins out of control, Joe's nightmares overtake him as a conspiracy is uncovered, leading to what may be his death trip or his awakening. Hmm. Not bad. I would say he's done it his whole life, that it's not, you know, he's been, he, the... So, how, how clear is it that he's a veteran? Because we'll get to it, but I think there's yeah. one scene... There's one scene that makes it clear. Okay. And then there's a uniform hanging in the closet, but I don't know if that's his or his dad's. Or, okay. So, but I, I think that's pretty accurate. It, it is. It's it's pretty close. I, I think the, the haunting or the demons or whatever have been going on, you know, the PTSD's yeah. been going on a long well, time. You probably, it's, if you saw some of the interviews, then you probably uncovered some stuff that I did that the director did and, and how Joaquin approached this. Yeah. Uh, it's billed as a crime drama, which I, I would think is very accurate, especially the first thing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, what else? So would he's you... committing them. The people in power are committing them. Uh, you know, in <laughs> this is your substitute movie. Um, you know, maybe the next one, make it not be about a you know woman being abused <laughs> and being tortured. <laughs> Let's see. Do it. How many have I had that? All of them. Is <laughs> that all? Of all them. of them. Still. Yep. Were was there abuse and still? Yeah. I think it was all consensual and still. <laughs> <laughs> Rabbit <No>. hole. <laughs> Most beautiful <laughs> island. Swimming pool. Yeah. Where it, was the fine. abuse and swimming pool? <laughs> All right, we're going to spin off that podcast uh, see, to Todd is Delusional. He's a, Ryan's my psychologist now. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this movie stars Joaquin Phoenix as Joe. Um, he only, you know, what do you think of Joaquin, when you first think of Joaquin Phoenix, is there a movie that just pops right to your mind? Probably Swing for the Fences. So Signs. Signs, yeah. Which is an underrated Shyamalan movie. I like that movie, although yeah. the end is kind of corny. There's, Everybody's there's a great bunch in of it. them, you know. I was going to say Gladiator, but I think that was only because we were talking about it a little bit Gladiator ago. Gladiator comes yeah. to mind. I mean, that's a crazy uh, You know, you hate him, yeah. and he's <laughs> good, but he, you know, I remember he's only done 56 projects. Yeah. And he's a child actor. Was that whole thing with Letterman real? No, 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 no. That was all fake. Really? Him and it was Casey like an Affleck. Andy. Him and Casey Affleck, totally fake. Oh. Yeah. I bought into that. Yeah, yeah. A lot I of thought he, did. I thought he lost his shit on, a lot you know, of on live did. TV. And he's a guy who you're like, yeah, yeah, he would lose his mind. <laughs> yeah. I first remember him in Eight Millimeter, which is a real fucked up movie. Oh yeah, he led. Uh, the, he led him around. He was the, like the, his the porn shop guy, and yeah, I forgot he was in that. He he, you know, he's only done fifty six things because I think he picks good stuff. Yeah. Um, another movie I love him in, in a great movie, Oliver Stone movie called U-Turn. Have you ever seen U-Turn with Sean Penn? Mm. He plays Toby so. and Tucker. <laughs> and he's this like, Sean Penn is stranded in the small you know desert town. Toby and Tucker, TNT, he's got it shaved in the back of his head. Claire Danes is sweet on Sean Penn. Joaquin plays the boyfriend and he's just wanting to fight at all times. And he's just such a douche, but he's really good at it. Yeah. Obviously, Walk the Line, he was great in. Um, I first remember him as Leaf Phoenix in Space Camp. Wow. Go back to Space Camp. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, he, he's an intense guy. He doesn't do press a lot. No. And he's grown into, like, this prolific actor. And I think had his brother lived 
it would have been the same thing. Like I would love yeah. to have seen River Phoenix, you know, not succumb and not have died so young, and to see them in a like a proper movie together, like now. Yeah, because you know when River Phoenix top, would you know, be a powerhouse too. So experienced, top of their game, you know. Yeah, yeah. He, you know, I'll throw in some tidbits from the thing, but so Joaquin shows up seven weeks. Yeah, with early. the crew. With the crew. With, yeah, with the director and the crew, and is building himself physically and mentally into this into yeah. this brute. Yeah. And it's the first movie that he's ever taken, having not met the director in person. Only oh. talked to her on the phone. He's never done that. Okay. And it wasn't supposed to work out. He was set to do like three other movies. And the one he was going to do that summer uh, got pushed. Yeah. And he's like, can we do this and over he, the summer? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, yeah. <laughs> Which, Whatever it takes. So we got Joaquin Phoenix. We've got Judith Roberts, who plays Joe's mother. She's credited as Joe's mother. Have yep. you seen her in anything before? Yeah. I'm just having a hard time. I, I just got to get it out there. Every time you're saying Joe, I keep on to go, Joe Banks? Joe, Joe Banks? Banks? Sorry. Oh, I that's just, interesting. I just got to get that out of the we way. We watched because... The Birdcage with the kids for the first time this past weekend, and I'm thinking that was, you know, Nathan Lane who says Joe Banks. <laughs> Did you know that? That was Nathan Lane? No. It's Nathan Lane in Joe versus the Volcano who greets him on Waponi Woo. Joe Banks? With the with the or no, uh, I mean, are you thinking it's it's Lloyd Bridges saying yeah, Joe Banks? That's the one I'm seeing. Oh, I'm thinking the, yeah, but, the other one. But uh yeah, the orange soda in his hand, that's yeah, that's okay. Nathan Lane. So Judith 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 Roberts plays Joe's mother. Um I this is gonna be weird. She's in a racer head. She's in a small role in a racer head, and she is uncredited as Mother Superior in Silent Night, Deadly Night. And I remember her from Oh, that. I saw that. God, probably in the drive-in. Yeah, you did know, you really? In high school. Holy shit! Yeah. Oh, we we we, 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 we go see all those type yeah, of you know Santa prom Claus, night and the fog. And he and, impales you know. the girl on the on the horns oh, on the wall. Oh, so she was in that. She was in that, and she I, the one thing she is a, a, a I think a recurring character on the TV show Orange is the New Black, which I I, I don't watch, but okay, and it was very popular. Um, then you've got Frank Pando, who plays Angel. A small role, but yeah. um, and the, we'll get to the him. grocery store owner. So, had you seen him in anything before? Didn't recognize him. Um, he's in a movie that looks interesting called Little New York with Vincent D'Onofrio, Ethan Hawke, and Seymour Castle. Um, again, another show that I didn't watch, and people who like TV shows are probably furious with me all the times that I say I've never watched shows. But he played <laughs> Agent Frank Grasso on The Sopranos. Okay, so he seemed to be a recurring character on that. And I noted he's in a movie that has a really awesome title, and it's called Bad Vegan and the Teleportation Machine. Nice. That sounds like one we'd watch. So, yeah. <laughs> 12.30 on a Saturday. Hell yeah. Exactly. Let's watch a movie about a bad vegan and teleportation. Then we've got John Dorman, who plays John McCleary in the movie. Um, I'd never seen him in oh, anything. That's, yeah, that's the guy that pays him. Yeah, the, yeah, the widower. Yep. He's the, the middleman. Character actor extraordinaire. Um, just things I noted. He's in Copland. I kind of remember him from Copland. Speaking of bad Bruce Willis movies, he's in Mercury Rising. He's in Mystic River. Is that my daughter? Is that my daughter in there? <laughs> Jesus. I, 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 don't, I mean, he had to have been, like, shit himself yeah. while delivering I, those lines. I think I've so never intense. watched that a second time just because of that scene. No. I just couldn't, because my daughter was younger, you know, or what year was that? God, thinking how old was my... 2000s-ish, 2008, maybe. 
Oh, but super intense. Yeah, yeah. So I just couldn't, you know, like you can't even bring up. Yeah. When it comes I wouldn't be surprised your, if your Sean Penn in that scene, like literally shit his pants because he was screaming so loudly. Yeah. But he's also John Dorman, who plays John McCleary, is also in a movie that I've told you about called Ordinary World, which stars an impossibly great Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day. Yeah. It's the movie where I think it's kind of, yeah, you yeah, know. It's a portrait of your life. Jess was watching it with me, and she's like, is this about you? Um, <laughs> and I think John Dorman plays Billy Joe's father-in-law in the yeah. movie. Really great movie, which right. we may do on this I pledge I'll watch it this week, because I still have your DVD that you, oh, you gave do? me like oh. 13 years ago, and nice. I still haven't watched it yet. Yes. So yes. You, you still own You're it. shaming it's me. Just I still own DVDs. Uh, next, we've got Alex Minette as Senator Albert Voto. Yeah. And he was in, so the writer-director, had you seen anything else she'd done? Voto? No, 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 I the writer-director of this movie. Have you seen anything else she's done? No, but just the interviews, you know, they were naming a bunch so of stuff. So did somebody say a movie called We Need to Talk About Kevin? No. Holy shit. I have seen this. I didn't know she did it. Tilda Swinton, John C. McGinley, Ezra Miller... And it's a fucking mind bender. Really, it's a great movie. And I think she only does writer director, maybe yeah. maybe producer stuff. So Alex Manette, the guy who plays Senator Albert Voto, is also in. We need to talk about Kevin. So I recognized him. Okay. God so, damn that movie! Holy cow! All right. Um, and then I'm gonna get this wrong, but we have Ekaternia Samsonov. Yeah. Who plays Nina Voto? Nina. And she was at Cannes in the audience. They didn't have her up on the stage, which kind yeah. of sucked. They had her in the audience and had her stand up and all yeah. that because she only had like four lines or something they said, which I didn't even realize. Yeah, it's interesting. that and When they said that, I'm like, no, that can't be right. They get to her at like 34 minutes in the movie too, which makes it all the more yeah. remarkable. Um, but she started out as a model, and she's in a movie that looks really cool called Wonderstruck Okay, about two kids and like 40 years apart who have this kind of like like Keanu and and what's her head Sandra Bullock in the Lake House. Maybe and they're they flashing back to when they were yeah. when they were kids. So she's a young and written and directed by Lynn Ramsey. Uh, it was from Scotland. Glasgow. Todd can't understand her. No, she's charming. She <laughs> wrote, directed. We need to talk about Kevin, and this is based on a novel if by. It's not Scottish. It's crap. Crap. Based on a novel by Jonathan Ames. Um, who's a guy who created the TV series Bored to Death. So he's created some TV series. Yeah. Um, and, and the director in one of the interviews I, I, I listened to, she said the novel's kind of pulpy and campy, which I could not extrapolate from this movie, that being, I mean, maybe I she just took the only, the only difference I you know, picked up and doing any of the research I did was it mentioned it was like a mob kidnapping or something like that, which oh, is not in this one. No. You know, uh, do you know the tagline? Did no. you look at it? Nope. No, I always save these because this is a great moment for me when you... <laughs> I, I don't know if you're going to like this at all. The tagline is, bring the hammer. <laughs> How about, it's hammer time? I know. I, like, it could have could, could could be been any worse. cornier. Yeah. yeah, another can of syrup there. Uh, hour and 29 minutes, so yeah. nice. Nice hour Digestible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no box office, no budget. Info that I could find, but the U.S. box office grossed 2.5 million worldwide, 9.3. Yeah, it had to have been made for less than that. So I think that's a probably successful movie. Yeah, and I read somewhere that it was first released in, I believe, France and Germany as 
it's a beautiful day. Correct. Yeah. Which I love. I would have kept I that title. I love that title. I yeah. love that title. Oh. Because Jess and I good. were like, you were never really here. I, I get it. Yeah. Like, that's the mental state. You know, like, hey, you were never really here. Yeah. Or he was never really here. You know, you can literally go for an hour and a half going, why the fuck is this called? It's a beautiful day. And then, yeah, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you, I, I've got crazy, you know, some, some stats on the movie. Do you have anything that you uh, found stat wise or? Uh, yeah. So stat wise, just simply for money, there's a scene with his mother where she mentions the movie. I don't know if we're going to, if we say it, do we get charged too? Oh, no, probably not. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't think so. So, um, my neighbor's a psycho, and then he mimics the famous <laughs> scene <laughs> doing it. <laughs> yeah. So that was $15,000. And then. Really? Yeah. And the director said, that's my take. I'm having it. Then when they found out the royalties, and then he does it again outside the bathroom oh. door. Thirty thousand dollars was spent just to be just able to because do that. he went. Ee, 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 ee. So they that own screech. the rights. Oh, but I think we just that. What is that? About forty five thousand. We just did. Right yeah, there? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, uh, producer, we'll talk to <laughs> New Leonard Media. <laughs> see if they can subsidize <laughs> that for us. <laughs> well, I mean, so yeah. you know it, that Bernard Herman wrote that music. Is that going to Bernard Herman's estate or the Hitchcock estate? That's interesting. Well, how do you how do you even spell that to get the rights to it? E H E H E A. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we. Get- <laughs> there's no. It's not an eek. There's no K in it. Well, so I I noted there's 15 producers on this movie, and I I haven't been looking at that stat. Is that something that's common? Do you think? Two independent films? My guess is they just kept piling them on as they were in buying Lynn, uh, rights to show The writer-director is one of them. She's credited as, as one of them. There's yeah. 15 producers. Because I just saw four film and why not Yeah, those are the production companies. But like literally executive line and traditional producers, oh, and the 15 credits. names listed. Yeah. And I like the music in this a lot. 80s baby. Well, that's what I wrote down. So, do you know who did the who composed the music? No, doesn't it sound 80s to you though? It well, yes, and it was composed by Johnny Greenwood from the band Radiohead. Oh yeah, she said that in the interview. Yep. And I didn't know that he was such a prolific composer. He's done. He did Inherent Vice, also with Joaquin Phoenix. He. Um, has done a bunch of Paul Thomas Anderson movies. He scored There Will Be Blood. Oh, wow. Yeah. This dude is really something. So he likes intense movies. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine what... It, and, and he's an intense guy. Like, yeah. if you see him play, he, he wears, I think, a normal like brace on his arm because he plays his guitar so hard. He's, like, yeah. damaged himself. And that, that was really, really cool. Is that a euphemism? No, no, that's just what he's done. <laughs> he's chosen that life for himself. And choosing the song Angel Baby, I think, was kind of cool. The The music really, yeah. really hit home for me in this. Yeah. And the sound. And the, the sound. The sound design. Oh, God almighty. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, BAFTA nominee uh, for Outstanding British Film of the Year. At Cannes, it won Best Actor for Joaquin, Best Screenplay for Lynn Ramsey, and it was nominated for the Palme d'Or. So this is two movies in a row 
that you've suggested that were that were nominated for the Palme d'Or at Cannes. Yeah, I've been spending a lot of time in Europe. And at its premiere at, <laughs> at Cannes, it received a seven-minute standing ovation at the conclusion of the film. Well, the the interview I watched today from Cannes um, was prior to I think the voting. You know, it was the you know it had it had been nominated. You know, and then they were just doing the Q and A right, kind right. of thing. So I, you know, I you read that like it got this long. I would. Okay, seven minutes. Think That's about a, a seven-minute standing ovation. Yeah. At, like at some point, your hands are hurting. At some point, somebody's got to be like, "You got to stop this." Yeah, but. It, that's that's well, true. I, I will say over, you know, appreciation of like jazz music, um, and arts and stuff in Europe. I mean, it, it is a little deeper than here, a lot deeper. Like back in the day when I was playing, you're jazz, taking shots at America. Well, no, <laughs> you're taking shots at America, I'm baby. Just pointing out my no, I agree personal experience yeah, that a lot of the jazz guys would go over to Europe just because they yeah. could make a much better living and they were appreciated. Yeah, they weren't called fruitcakes. Well, we're going you, to see Radiohead. You play soft, play some Nugent. <laughs> Fruitcake, tear off those sleeves. Um, Film Independent Spirit Scared. Awards. Uh, winner, winner for Best Editing. A National Board of Review. USA winner for Top 10 Independent Films. So in all, because I tried to like clock all the no- 73 nominations and 24 wins. Nice. Well, Joaquin is just friggin' powerhouse Jesus. in this, man. He's unbelievable. Um, yeah, and he, you know, so I'm going to say it right at the top. <laughs> the parallels between this and Joker are insane to me. No, I have not seen Joker yet. Okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to share. So I think Todd Phillips took some direct, direct scenes from this for Joker. So Joker was filmed, Joker came after, after this, this, 100%. And, and that's why it's so jarring, because in Joker, he's like, you know, 130 pounds, all skinny, and this, yeah. he's got, he's jacked up, he's so got he, the beard. Jesus, he had to lose he all that pulled weight. pulled a Christian Bale, 100%. Jeez. And you you definitely need to see Joker. I, and, and it's, regardless of whether you like superhero films, yeah. it's, it's... Well, the reason is it's been on HBO, I think, only, Yeah, I don't have HBO. Oh, gotcha. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I couldn't, PC. like, rent it on, you know. So, uh, this has one of the more jarring openings of a movie I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Not that I didn't expect it from the cover, but well, I got one question though. Right from the get go, I, I can't said, have questions. You need the answers for you. No, no, this well, oh, you're gonna okay. be. You know. It's subjective. Okay, <laughs> no, you're. This is the perfect follow up. I thought to last week's movie, to Poker, Poker Night. Night. Okay, because who would you want? Remember they they never caught the guy. Yeah, and his number one goal. In Poker Night? Yes. So, yeah, I know. Ryan, Ryan can't even bring himself to say it. So, no. you know, this is making you folks uh, want to watch this is it on even you. more. This is on you to find it out. So, well, what do you think? Do you, do you, do you agree? What, who would you want to hire to uh, go after? Well, it's like the, the guy at the end of Machine Gun Preacher, the real guy. He said, if your kids were missing or abducted and I could get them back, would you care how I did it? That's brilliant. You know, and and, yeah. and, and that's I, real. This I is met a real this story, man, and yeah. I, I got to be in the same room with Gerard Butler. Yeah, I've told you that before, but it's a jarring he opening. Saves that one for the shower, folks. Opening scene of the movie, <laughs> and there's flashes of a kid, and it's clear that it's our main character as a kid. And I have to ask you, 
based on the t-shirts we're wearing, is Jane Gum his dad? Wait, wait. What, you must do better. Is, Stop is, slouching. What yeah. the fuck is going on o- there? Only girls, only pussies and girl, it, or what is he, something? Yeah, only slouch. slouch. And so it's clearly our main character having a flashback or a dream. Yeah. And all I'm getting is a little kid, bag over his face, like being abused well, by it, somebody with a voice box. Yeah, and it, it freaked me out when he would like, breathe in and that bag would like suck into his mouth and it's this like like a airtight so it, it cuts to joaquin on a bed with a bag over his face breathing it in until he can't stand yeah. it anymore pulls it away and here's and go movie go yeah. and again if it was anybody other so, than joaquin you know what i mean like yeah. if this was keanu reeves so remember you brought up inciting incident <laughs> previously well, there I, you go. I, I like. I don't know what the hell's going on. I, I, I know the premise of somebody yeah, who has well, challenges. He's in a nutshell in a in a millisecond. They're establishing her character. Yeah. So I like how you establish this as a damaged person, and then it cuts to him in a hotel room, cleaning up. Yeah. Cleaning off a bloody hammer. <laughs> and when I first saw that, the very first time, when I didn't know anything. Yeah. You know, I'm like this. I. He's a serial killer because he had the necklace there that oh, says Oh, you didn't Sandy know anything it. about it? No. I did. Shoot. I know. I, I did know he was probably a, a, a protagonist, not an antagonist. But Yeah, no. When I first, the first time I watched it, I didn't know anything. Damn. And, and at that moment, I, I thought, I'm like, we got a serial killer movie. A thousand Buckle percent up. you would think that. Yeah. Because uh, the zip ties, the yeah, duct tape, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the necklace, the necklace with her name on it. Yeah, You're like so that's his souvenir. Yeah, he burns a photo of a young Asian girl. Yeah, and there's a necklace that says Sandy. He throws a of holy course. Bible on the fire. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus, I like serial killer. Of course you would. Yeah, and you were never really here. Inter- I wonder if that was a problem for the movie. You no, know, because did it, go it, into it. It cuts right out of. It. I mean, it you, does. you you know what's going on pretty quick. So it, it's clear that he's done something. It, it is in a hotel, and he's cleaning up after what you maybe think is a murder. For I, sure. I'm understanding is maybe the rescue of somebody. And what he does, which I think is interesting, being both hotel people, is he takes all of what I called his murder garbage, and he <laughs> throws it into the housekeeper's cart garbage. Yeah, and the housekeepers do go through your garbage, so yeah, Which, that would be a... <laughs> it's going to be a problem for that housekeeper. Yeah, that's it's a failed serial, you know, he's a caught serial killer so at that point. So I'm thinking that's kind of a shitty move to do that housekeeper because she's going to have to get back to her cart and be like, uh-oh, then she's going to have to hide this evidence herself. So I had a whole movie that she was on, this housekeeper and her journey... <laughs> and she's looking behind her back yeah. forever for the rest of her life. So he's clearly done something. And so let's go off the basis that you don't know the plot of them. He's done something. He leaves the hotel. He's in an alley. And he's attacked by somebody. Um, and, and I thought the scene was particularly kind of brutal because I'm oh, guessing intense. this Joaquin said, hit me for real. Because this guy kind of punches him. He hits him with a crowbar. In, like, the back of the neck. It looks very real to me. Yeah. And then Joaquin headbutts this dude. Intensely. Yeah. And he turns around and walks back into the hotel. But then, again, where reality shows oh. up, you see this guy get up and he f- pukes. Yeah. 
Because that's what would happen. Because he was hit so hard, yeah. And it wouldn't surprise me if he actually did that about him. Because he, he, but, he but beats the, the hell the out of another guy. looked really real to For me. real. Yeah. He, the director said in, the, in, in a, about a later scene that she had a guy that wasn't an actor, you know, and said, hey, you want to do this part? And she's like laughing. She says, yeah, Joaquin really roughed him up. Mm. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's fully in character. So yeah. he's, if you know. I could see that. Yeah. So he it, he gets into a cab that's clearly labeled Cincinnati. So he's in Cincinnati. Yep. He's going back to Newark. And he says airport. Yeah. And what I thought was interesting is this cab driver singing is singing <laughs> to the opening song of the movie. Oh, was it? Yeah. I mean, it's it's like a I movie didn't catch song. I, I, mean, I didn't catch that that was the same. And, and and music and singing becomes, I think, a really cool part of this movie. Yeah. It's an integral part of the movie. But I, this cab driver is singing to a song that seems to be the opening credits song, and he's singing along to it because he's not singing along to a radio. Well, that saves money right there. It does. Yeah. It does. <laughs> so he gets to the airport. He calls on a payphone. He leaves a message for a John McCleary, and he just says, it's done. It's done. Now, the airport scene, I really like the way that was filmed because – in the backdrop, they got the zombie girl laying on the chairs. Yeah. You know, she's a teenager. He's and seeing clearly stress everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it, the reality of his world, but he's yeah. got to walk by it. But the second time I watched it, I caught in the very background at the airport for the perfect contrast. So you got the teenage girl that you just you just want to scoop up and, like, you know, yeah. take her to a foster home or something because she, she obviously needs help and she's passed out. And in the very background is the the perfect business suit woman with the ponytail re- yeah. rolling the luggage behind her. So you see the dichotomy yeah. there of you know what what maybe that girl could have been and what's really going on, and it just wow. that really struck me. Yeah. Well, that's airports, man. You get all types: bus stops, people airport, in their yeah. jammies, people in their suits. <laughs> and so here's the first parallel to Joker. Joe uh-huh. lives with his mom, just like Arthur Fleck lives with his mom and Joker. Okay. And I does the mom have dementia? There's something she, up with her. She's got a little senility, maybe. Because she asks about an old girlfriend that he hasn't seen in right. 20 years. Right, Again, very similar to Joker. So oh, okay. immediately I'm like, huh. And the she thing, borrowed a few ideas, huh? Possibly. I, I, I don't know. There's more, which is really cool. But I noticed in that first shot when he gets home and she's pretending to be asleep on the mantle. Yeah. There's a photo of a man in a uniform, yep. maybe Marine. Yep. And then a brunette woman. Which which is mom. Who I believe we her. see again in a flashback, one of the thousand flashbacks. That's one issue I had with this movie. It's flashback heavy and none of it really gets called to bear later. Well, I've got I've got the perfect answer for that. Because yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. Every flashback is when he is solitary, when he's by himself, and that's when he can't because he's not involved in doing something. Right. He's either on an elevator, he's sitting in a hotel room, he's sitting in the car on surveillance. Every time they do a flashback is when he's at a moment alone and all and that's when the demons come up. So did you hear what the director did to get him prepared? She sent him an audio recording of fireworks yep. and noise. And, and said, this is what's in Joe's head nonstop. Yeah. And you know what his reply was? Yeah. <laughs> and then she says, well, do you get what I mean there? Yeah. <laughs> and I bet he spent 
two days listening to those fireworks. <laughs> Joaquin, as intense as he is, uh-huh. that's the thing. From what I know about him, he's really intense. And he gets pissed if not everybody in that scene and on that set is bringing the same level. This was yeah. the way it was on Joker. So when you see the director huh. and how sweet and, and kind, I wonder how yeah. she handled him. Well, she was at that interview I was in, in Cannes. He is just the two of them on stage and then the, the interview guy. And he's got his arm around her the whole time, sitting in the chair next to her, and he's rubbing her back the entire interview. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's almost like he's, you know, well, he's apologizing maybe. Yeah, it could <laughs> like, be. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm so, so sorry. sorry. I You're did never this making to you. another movie you, again because of put me. Put you through this. <laughs> so I noticed his his demeanor, like because you know, I'm, I'm sure. Again, if you watch this and then watch Joker and see the body transformation, you'll be shocked. Yeah. Because he's, I would say he's ripped or muscled, but he's big. And he walks like a bodybuilder. Yeah. He, he walks, and that's got to be a choice. Well, shoulders forward. Yeah. Yeah, like, like just out, like he, he's just ripped and huge. And he reminds me of the guy, the Irish guy in Cowboys and Aliens, because I just saw that, that punch, you know, that took over the gang uh-huh. when he returns to the gang. Yeah. And he, I don't that, mind that movie. That actually. guy, and I, he punches uh, punches yeah. James Bond out. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't think of the actor's name right now. Okay, but the way he walks and carries himself was like yeah. that. And he, he's very slow, and he's very deliberate, Joe, in this movie. And what I think is kind of neat is he's both sweet and kind of rough with his mom. You know, like the scene where they're polishing silver and they're singing together. Yep. But then he's cleaning out her refrigerator and he's yelling at her about the cream cheese is from 1972. Right. I told you know because I've been a caregiver for for my grandfather, I totally get that. I mean, it, that's exactly how it goes. I mean, you just have your moments where you're just yeah. you're weak. You're just like, would you please stop doing that? But or, if he was abused, because you, you see him come back from this thing in Cincinnati, he's putting peas on his shoulder. He's got scars. Yeah, Froze, like and the frozen. one on his back is like huge. Yeah, so that must have been that looked real, man. I whatever don't know. the fuck that was, was an axe to his back. <laughs> I mean, it had to be like Jason Voorhees needed like did a number on this guy, <laughs> and then he's laying down and he's got this weird circle tattoo. Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. do you think I think Joaquin is a weird enough dude that that's a real tattoo? That one day he's just like, I want a weird circle right here. My life is. Full come full circle, and then he does the bit where he has the knife, and he slowly just drops the knife in his mouth, and his mom asks yeah. for help getting the tap water off, but that had to be improv. That's him just being like, "Let me go," and I'm gonna fuck around with this knife. Yeah, I'm gonna drop it in my mouth slowly. Well, when we get there, I got another improv scene that they talked about in in the interview. That's that's gonna blow your mind. So it's it's clear that. He doesn't have a car because he walks everywhere. Um, he goes to a grocery store, which is where he meets Angel. This is the character we talked about at the top. Yeah. And Angel, Joaquin passes a, a, a like a kid who's stocking the shelves, who looks nothing like Angel, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. Because the kid looks Hispanic different. and Angel looks like a like a Irish white he guy. He does call him his son, though. So. Yeah. Yeah. So Angel goes up at the ceiling tiles, gets some money, pays Joe. Joe gives him a few hundred dollars back, and Joe is asking, did your kid see me? That was the second time. The second time he goes back, is because the kid sees him later on. Well, no, I mean, but he, did, 
he asks him, did your kid see me? Right. The second go, time he goes The first time the he store. goes in. That, that's the first time you see, because the, the kid's stocking the thing, he drops the can, and that's when he's like, stop yelling at me, when Angel's clearly not yelling at him. But he's like, did your kid see me? He was with Maurice. He didn't mean to see you. What was that about? Well, that was, that was. I think that's the second visit to the store. I don't think there is a second visit to the store. All right. The first time you see Angel is when he goes to get paid. Okay. Because I'm like, oh, that's weird. Well, what that was about is his anonymity. He he's the reason he's going through Angel and then John, yeah. you know, in the office there for getting the jobs is to keep another level between him and and whoever's Which hiring him. Clearly doesn't work. Yeah. But anyway, so I'm thinking Angel's a middleman, but he says the man needs to see you right away. Right. And this is John McCleary, who is truly the the middleman, getting him these gigs. Yeah, he he's his manager or whatever. Yeah. So again, you meet McCleary, and what's with him and the bloody noses? I don't know. Is that just a weird thing to be weird? That was just giving the character something, you yeah. know, because he's got the yacht behind him, you know, the model of the yacht. Yeah. And and the picture of him and his wife, That's who what he, he says has passed yeah, away. Yeah. Um. Or, you know, he says, God rest her soul. Does he say so. he's going to retire on his yacht and that's what they're working towards? Uh, he's going to he's going to take it out of dry dock because yeah. they're getting 50 grand for this current job. That's right. Senator Vato. So, yeah, okay. So McClearly says he needs to rescue Senator Albert Vato's teenage daughter, who's a runaway. So uh, right away I'm thinking, okay, so are, are you thinking now he's not a serial killer He's a guy who helps. Yeah, he's a hunter at this point, okay. you know, for hire. But, yeah, he gets um, – when he gets to the senator's office, he goes through that fancy hotel and then gets up to the senator's office. Then he gets the lowdown on exactly yeah. what the gig is. So do you think he has agency over this? Can he say no? Because that's what I was wondering. It feels like huh. he is a kept person. Like he has no choice because the money he gets for the first thing doesn't look like a lot of money. <laughs> so this whole time I'm like, is this worth it? Yeah, well, because he said fifty grand. Joe did not get near fifty grand for that first thing, right? Or not the first thing, but the first thing you see in the movie. Yeah, I mean it was probably a few thousand, you know. Yeah, which he he peels off five hundred to Angel. So I thought that was kind of interesting. But when he meets with the senator, the senator, I don't know, his performance I think is good. Because from what you end up knowing later, but the one thing I took away from that meeting is he's talking about how his daughter's to run away, she's gone, and he says, I want you to hurt them. Yeah, her mom, her mom committed suicide, and ever since then she's been running away. She's been missing all weekend. Do you think that's true? And then he's got an address. Do you think that's true, that she has been running away? Yeah. Do you think he's complicit in what we find out later? You know, I'm on the... I know what you're referring to later, and I'm not sure. That'd be the worst thing ever. I've gone back and forth. I'm not sure if he is. Okay, so she's a runaway and just gets snared. Right. I get. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll make that case when we get there, I guess, whether he's he's involved in what the governor's doing as well. So my favorite thing is Joe has a getting supplies moment, and this movie (laughs) is a a commercial for duct tape. Yeah. I mean- (laughs) Yeah, a ball peeing hammer. Like a more well, what I noticed is he buys a new hammer. It's its retail is sixteen ninety nine. 
And I did a little research. <laughs> That's got... actually on the low end uh, of the ball and he, peen and hammer. And he, he got the deluxe. He got the nice yeah, one. Yeah. I mean, you could get a Capri for like 50 to $80. That's a great brand name, ball peen hammer, a Capri or a Capri, depending on how fancy yeah. you are. But that's, you know, I was wondering, that's on the low end price of ball peen hammers. So I don't know what that says about him. Um, but he gets, you know, he gets some gear, he gets sodas and snacks. Yep. And I'm immediately he's shopping I'm like, for the gig. What a nice guy. Because, <laughs> well, he's done this so many times that, you know, we it don't does know how feel many. Rote. He's just like yeah. automaton, automaton. I mean, he knows when he gets them, they're going to be traumatized in a zombie. So, you know, having a pop and candy, you know, helps bring them back yeah. to, I think. Because you wouldn't think that this guy would be that caring. But, you know, because he cares for his mom, like you said, caretaking, yeah. he does think about that stuff. Again, because he's done it enough. Yep. And maybe, like, the first time he screwed up yeah. and he had no snacks. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm dying. And, and no the first time we see him smile is when he's picking out that hammer. Yeah. Well, he loves his hammer. He loves to leave his mark. So we have another scene that is interesting <laughs> to me. When he's walking down the street and... A girl says, will you take photo a photo of me and my friends Yeah, with the cell phone? Now, now, did you find it particularly an issue that they were all Asian girls and they, you know, with the camera? Well, well that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Wang, what's with the pictures? It's a parking lot. <laughs> um, no, everybody has got their camera up their ass right now. That's not a cultural thing at all. It needs to stop completely. Everybody needs to put the freaking phone down. But what I noted was he... He takes the photo, and the girl freaks out. Is she somebody he saved? He's flashing back. No, no, he, he that's in his head. So she just reminds because she okay. So that's a, a yeah. They're all smiling, and then they he like which was odd. He's like showing each girl's open mouth one at a time, and then they freeze on the the girl that has to have their picture taken, and she's crying and like in this so state he's of having shock. like a vision. Okay, he's having. Yeah, because thought, of all the horrors he's seen. I thought it would have been cooler if she's like a grown-up version of somebody he saved. And she's just freaking out, like having this oh, like, yeah, flashback. Yeah. Like, you're the guy who took me out of enslavement when I was you know, yeah. a teenager. And that would have been like a little bit of a rabbit hole. It would have taken him so a two-hour movie. Two interpretations. <laughs> Maybe the director can uh, can lean in on that. But Lynn? Give us a give us a shout or a, a little independent podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, or Facebook. So, uh, what about Tai Chi in the sauna? Oh, because this yeah. is another Joker moment. This is a one hundred percent Joker moment. Really? Because in Joker, he's in this sketchy, weird public restroom. Yeah. When he's kind of decided, I think it's after he's killed, and to he me- just starts dancing. Oh. And it's an amazing moment. The music is incredible. This exa- almost exactly the same. Well, to me, he he's just he's you know, a sauna is a cleanser, right? And he's just he's just prepping for the gig that's coming up. And man. he's flashing back, a bunch of flashbacks. Whenever and this is the army flashback. Whenever he's in solitude, yeah, you get a different. And these flashbacks are pretty horrific. Yeah, but what I love that he does is you get Joaquin shirtless, and again, he's he's not like ripped, but he's big. No, he's, he's, he's himself, muscular, but he's got a belly on him. He's getting himself ready, and right before it cuts, he goes, yeah. he smiles, yeah. just like Joker. Scary smile. Yeah. Scary. That scene, like again, mental, as I was watching mental it, smile. I'm like, what is happening? Because <laughs> the, the He was color, prepping for the Joker role. The, the color scene. is blue, 
And I think in the Joker movie that the, the color of this bathroom is like this bluish green. So wow. again, I'm probably reading way too much into it, but that again with the the mom, the elderly mom with maybe mental problems and when he smiles at the end of that scene, yeah. it's so great through a, this giant beard. You're hearing it here first, folks, on a little independent film. Well, it's just a little independent. I haven't looked, but that somebody may that have made pre- these parallels that, before. Uh, yes. Well, this is a smaller film, but now that Amazon's got yeah. it out there. So um, he's casing the house that he is going to hopefully rescue Nina from. 235 East Two- Main. Wrote down the address. I did, yeah, because it, it was from my, my years of surveillance. Go to Newark and it, visit. It, that. it was a uh, just a natural tendency Upscale to do that. Upscale neighborhood looked like it, I think. Although no. living on a prayer is on the radio while he's casing the yeah, place, along with the eighties music. You know the the theme, the music to me sounds eighties. You that know, was with a the keyboard and stuff like that. They didn't play it; they just said it. Oh, they didn't. I, I thought no. They, they said it. up next is. I wrote down prayer, living on a bon prayer, Jovi. question mark. Okay. And then another flashback because he's in the car by himself. So, and, and he doesn't have a car. He rents cars, which I think is interesting. Yeah, well, the, the mom has that Cadillac, which he does use when he takes oh, the mom. Right. Yeah, later on. And he takes McCleary's away. car at some point. So he gets into this house, and I just wrote down Hammer Brutality. Now, there is a song Wait, before we wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> just there's uh, because I heard this in the interview, I want to share this. The uh, so he's faced, he's he's parked on the street facing away, so he's watching in the rear view mirrors. Um, it starts raining, and he sees a delivery boy go in and take a package in, and then the delivery boy comes back out. and And I love this shot. So he opens up the door, gets out, oh, yeah, opens up the back. See, it's a four-door. The back seat door, it's a Ford uh, Fusion, actually. And the camera stays right on the car on the open door. And you hear him, oh, excuse me, excuse me. And then bam, bam, bam. And the sound is incredible. And then the camera never moves off the car. And then he throws the kid in the back seat and goes through uh, the interview process of who is, you know, how many guards are in there. And he says, he's pretty nice. To what the kid, floor though. is the playground? He's like, what? Where where do they keep the girls? So in the in the interview, uh, um, I think it was it was either one of the Q and A's I watched. That was the kid that was not an actor, I believe. Oh, the one and he roughed she up. She said he roughed him up. <laughs> yeah. Well, but he was nice to him, but physically it was right. a little. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was he was roughing him up because, and then he you know then he zip ties him and throws him in the trunk. So when when I saw what happens next. And again, I just wrote Hammer Brutality. Todd and I, listeners, we, we're both musicians, but we differ on music quite a bit. Now, there is a song that I want you to envision when you see all the security footage of him going through this house just murdering dudes with a ball-peen hammer. Yeah. Now, it's already been used in Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Now, being a death metal fan, and this was before the internet and spoilers, so when I went and saw Ace Ventura, Pet Detective... There's a scene where Cannibal Corpse is in it playing the song Hammer Smashed Face. But I could not think of a better so- song for a movie. So just think 
while you're watching this dude murder these dudes with hammers if this was playing during it in this movie? Right? The security footage. If you can see Ryan's face right now, it's it's priceless. Right? He's going through this mansion, these rich white dudes just murdering them in the face. All right. But I got to so say. That's all I could think of. I have to say Angel Babies works oh, gosh, really yeah. well. It really is. Really well. So this was my favorite sequence in the movie because they used the actual they use actual CCTV cameras up in the you know hallways of the hotel you know and they're black and white and they're grainy and then they got that the angel baby song yeah, playing in the see, gra- background it's violent but it's not like really crazy well they're not using the sound effects of like the hammer hit you know you're yeah. just getting that but it's and then so he, he he kicks open the door, right? And and there's a guy standing in there in his skivvies, an adult, and he just he just fucking wastes them. And then he heads out, he heads away from the hallway and they leave the CCTV shot. Yep. And this little tiny girl in the little tiny nightgown, she can't six or eight years old at the very most, comes walking out of the room like a total zombie and walks down the hallway. Yeah. And you just you just friggin' lose it. Yeah. And you're just like, go hit that guy again. He's already well, dead. So this is why it's interesting. Instead of just grabbing Nina and getting out, he kills everybody in there. Well, anybody he sees, you know, he's I mean, looking he, for the he room. He doesn't have to. You know what I mean? Like, I, he can just get her and get out. He didn't have to kill that first guy, is yeah. what you're saying. He's, yeah. He, he's, I think he did. He, yeah, that was my spiritual moment. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Hammer brutality. And I love I heard that was the Old Testament when he gets Nina moment. that he takes her out piggyback style. That was awesome. There was something sweet about that. It was like father daughter. Yeah. You know, I used to give my, you know, and I'm sure you did too. It's, and they got too big. <laughs> it's one it's one of those things where, you know, and and I read an interview with the director in how did she manage the 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 violence? And she said she tried to pair it with tender sweet moments. And there's a ton of them in this the movie. director yeah she said you know this is a very violent movie this is a guy who literally kills people with a ball peen hammer and again i think it's really interesting that she said i tried to you know add as many sweet moments as i could the violent moments and that's true like the balance and, is really and i i believe that's one of them for sure yeah and so the counting backwards yeah, it's it's because a, Nina does it. Well, you have the psychology background. To me, it's a device to to it is to it's space out to get them through. That they both have it. That the the Joe has it since yeah. he was a kid, and Nina demonstrates the, the it too. PTSD yeah. way to get through it. Yeah. So they get into a hotel room, and Joe is just excessively drying her hair, just drying her hair. Yeah, and she seems. Um, and you know what? Earlier, when Vado asked him, "Do you have kids, Joe?" and yeah. that's her dad, yeah, he's like, "No," but he's like being a dad with the piggyback and the way he's drying her hair. Again, this is years of, you know, he's had experience with this, and you know, it, it's a neat scene with him yeah. drying her hair because it's kind of playful. 
she's not as freaked out as I think she would be, but yeah. I think for some reason all of his vibes are I'm here to protect you even though I look like a crazy monster. Yeah. I just murdered 30 people with a hammer. Oh, oh, what in the heartbreaking scene right before they get back to the hotel where they're sitting in the car. Oh, is that when and, they find and, out about the And she in uh he offers her the candy and all that, and then she hugs him. She's oh, out yeah. of the blue, all of a sudden hugs yeah. him because, you know, like, thank you for rescuing me. And this this just broke my heart. And yeah. then she starts kissing him. And he's like, no, 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 you don't have to do that. So she's, like, been trained so, you know. Yeah. And then when he checks her arms for shots. Um, I don't think there's as many people in that in that house of ill repute that look like him, but. Not a lot of beards in that place. No, but uh, you know what I mean. She's like been forced to yep. do that stuff for so long. It was just automatic for her. It was, and it was just, oh, it's just heart wrenching. But you know, I think it's very clear that that he's there in a protective mode at the hotel. And then there's another heartbreaking scene where on the news you see that Senator Vato has committed suicide. Yeah. You don't even get a chance to breathe, right? As soon as he, she gets out of the shower and, is, and he's drying her hair and they're trying to get some levity, the news comes on and her dad has jumped out the friggin' 20-story so window. It's kind of telegraphed for me because they mentioned Governor Williams, and I'm like, okay. I kind of see where this to, is going. Yeah. <laughs> so he didn't commit suicide. He was pushed off a hotel, you know, whatever. But then assassins show up at the door, and my big question is the door, you know, there's a knock at the door. Yeah. He opens it. Who gets shot through the back of the head? The guy that was at the front desk watching the TV when they came in. Remember at night it's pouring down That's rain? Who it was? Yeah. He oh. comes in the door, and he's carrying her piggyback right past the clerk at That's the front what it desk. Is. I didn't see that. And the clerk, clerk should have questioned, you know, it doesn't even look up from the TV. Yeah. It okay. was him. So they... They made him, you know, they what room is this guy in? Room. Okay. Yeah, and then as soon as they open the door, blam, and that's when he got and splattered with all the blood. blood. Yeah. And Nina's taken. But the fight with that cop is pretty brutal. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's 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 set, it's done well, and it feels kind of real to me. It was. All these fights were really... You know, there's it's a lot of you know grappling, and he's choking this guy out, and it's strenuous. And well, this is where he gets shot. It doesn't show it, but he See, gets shot okay. through the mouth because there's an exit wound on his jaw. I didn't get that when he pulls out his tooth and he laughs. Yeah, because the bullet so must have broke happened. his tooth. It went through the guy and then into him. Well, because the gun went off three or four times, and they showed shots into the ceiling. They just didn't show it. I think he got shot through in the mouth and then out the cheek because there's a hole in the side of his beard. Oh, there's like a dark circle. Fight Club? And he poured the peroxide into that, that when he was cleaning that, it. Yeah. So they didn't show that. I thought he just dislodged a tooth because of the fight. That's and... what I did at first, but then I start, I saw the, the circle and, and he poured peroxide into it. So I think that's what happened, but they didn't show it. Interesting. Yeah. So Nina's taken. And, you know, he does his best. He just gets her back, yeah. gets her showers, cleaning off her hair, and then boom, her dad's dead, and then she's kidnapped again. And, oh, what does she say when he's when they're dragging her out of the room from him? Oh, I don't remember. Joe. Oh, jeez. Oh, it's just heartbreaking. I, I, I blocked out a lot, I think. It's, it's an intense movie, people. Get ready. So McCreary, he goes to McCreary's house. It's empty. Which is interesting. So I don't know if he sensed something was going on, but McCreary is found dead in his office. Which, why was the house cleared out? 
Okay, so it took me a couple of watches to get this. I was like, oh, this. he's in on it. So he goes to he goes to his manager's house, right? He keeps calling him, where the fuck are you? He's not answering. So he goes to his house, and he's holding his cat saying, you know, where's your daddy or whatever? And then they show the blood on, little blood spots on the floor. Yeah. That's where they kidnapped. They went to McClear, They went to his house, the hit the hitman there, and brought him back to his office where his Rolodex was to get to get Angel's and uh, Joe's oh, location. So they took him from his house because then he goes to his office. So and that's it, where they find it, it's him. It's clear, like they're they're trying to close a loop here. They're tracking the girl down because of yeah. something. So he takes McQuarrie's car, and then more flashbacks again. And now I'm really yeah. confused. And the, well, it's he's like, suffering from the pain of the gunshot. And I'm like, is it war? Is it because there's flashes of groups of of Asian people and and Middle Eastern people? And I did, I yeah. I started to get confused by the flashbacks. Yeah, it, it's just his. It's just PTSD shots of his past whenever he's in solitude. Yeah. is what is what I got from it. And uh, so when he buys the drugs a little bit earlier. That scene was when he 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 says, "Don't make me late," and he just dies in the room and just beats the shit out of the guy yeah, really fast, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. runs down the stairs. And he, you can see him leap past the cameraman. I mean, that was all improv. And and the director said, "What the fuck?" <laughs> he goes, "That that was not in the in the script or anything for him to hit that guy. Really, he just attacked him because he was in character and the guy was late." So. After all these stories, who's going to work with this Joaquin Phoenix ever again? Oh, he's brilliant, though, man. I know, but... Could, well, you, you don't want to be in the other end of it. <laughs> you could not live through it. So, Angel and the kid are probably in danger, but what's really tough is Joe goes home and finds his mom. Yeah. His... And he enters through the second story where his mom's room is. So yeah. he knows not to he go to the front up. door. Yeah, I mean, he's very uh And she's been shot on her bed through a bunch of pillows, what felt like 48 pillows. Which was actually one. Was it only one? Yeah. I thought it was more. One thick pillow over her head, yeah. And that's... A... Right through the eyeball through her glasses. Yeah, that was unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> but it be impactful because yeah. you've got... You know, assassins who show up. Yeah, and he hears them downstairs. Yeah. They're in the house. But I noticed, did you notice the assassins had like pins on, like American flags? So that's when, again, I'm like, okay, it's this I, governor. I think they're part of the governor's guard. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what it seems like really right. Like, that, this governor's a Would real Would that fucker. be Secret Service? Do Secret no, Service I don't do think governors, so. or is that only president? I think that's only presidents, but it's probably close. Because, you know, we've had the governor... At a hotel that yeah. I've worked at, and it was the same deal. The black card shows up, and yeah. there's two people with him. It was just like that. Well, that's that's where the scene, you know, he he takes on these assassins, and yeah, well, he has a gun at this point because he f- got finally, it at John's house when when he was there with the cat. He but he found, kills took the his one gun. assassin who's dying on the floor and is singing. Yeah. Well, he yeah he shoots one dead and he shoots the other one in the gut, and it's it's a. It's an awesome scene, yeah. like just a showstopper. And he lays down next to this dying guy after he kicked him a few times. And he he tried <laughs> he tried to ask like, did my mom suffer? Was she sleeping? Yeah. And he sings with this guy. Again, had to be improv. And that song that they're playing, I've been to paradise. I mean, maybe it was in the script that 
the assassin while he's dying is singing. But I can totally see Joaquin Phoenix just yeah, laying they, down. I can't remember. They talked about that scene, but I can't remember. And then he gets the lowdown on Vado. You know, he they, he tells him he wanted out. Yeah. He says, out of what? Out of everything. Yeah. And then uh, that's when he says, William, is it Williams? Yes, Governor Williams, who's played. Do you know who this guy is? This was kind of a cameo. I don't. Uh, his name is Alessandro Nivola. And you may know him as Pollux Troy, Castor Troy's brother from Face Off. So Nicholas Cage's brother in Face Off. Wow, one of your faves. That's this guy. One of your faves. And he's also in How Jurassic Park. How do you feel Park about 3. him now? He's in Jurassic Park 3. Oh, I'm glad what happens to him. Can you can you look at him anymore after this? I, you know, it's it, it it's weird that I I'm like oh it's Alison I'm I'm like it's Pollock's Troy and Jess is like how do you know this stuff? You did a lot of disassociation when you were in yeah <laughs> in this so you didn't have to go there. <laughs> so another another like you know me with audio cues yeah. in movies. Another thing I probably haven't shared with you is I love the sound of rocks being moved in movies. So when he buries his mother in the lake, yeah, the sound of the rocks that he's collecting to put in his pockets and stuff, uh huh, I love that. What if he'd have hung up a phone right after that? Oh, it would have been amazing. I mean, they're in the wilderness, so that would have been weird. But or at the like, house. one of my favorites is in the Blues Brothers when Carrie Fisher shoots a rocket launcher at the hotel, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is such a batshit bonkers Baby, scene. Baby, I love you. <laughs> But when they're like getting out from under the bricks, the sound of the bricks, yeah. And then it happens again when John Candy and his people try to get out. I love that. But the scene of him jumping, weighing his mom down and himself. Yeah, because he was gonna he was gonna go with her. And uh, that's what I thought. That's and what I took. Beautifully and then, shot. I don't. Yeah, and I don't. And they were saying she was saying how little time they had, like a half a day to shoot the water scene or something. I'm like. Holy crap! They, yeah. That DP nailed it because that the way that light shined down and, and the director she got in the water because it was apparently really cold or really uncomfortable. Oh, they didn't do it in a tank; they did it in the lake, yeah. actual lake. Yeah, oh, yeah. fuck. Yeah, and you really, know, he he lets the mom go in an impossibly deep lake. Lake. I thought the kraken was going to show up, but <laughs> the scene of him emptying his pockets of the rocks because was he, really cool. He had the vision of Nina. Yeah, talking to him, doing the countdown. He's like, I have to save her. And, you know, again, it all made sense to me. It really did. And, and this is like redemption. This is a guy who has gone through a lot and has done a lot of horrible things. But he has to know, not that you can excuse murder and any of that, but he's doing something good, you know, for people who really need it. Yeah, he, he's rescuing the, these girls. But he also knows right now that he's in a bunch of fuckery because he's got to go do some some wicked shit. Oh yeah, and and I think his mindset, just you know, of course this is opinion. Just at that point is he doesn't care if he dies throughout the whole movie, right? But at this point, he's like, okay, this is this yeah. is it. This is my this is my swan song. I'm gonna go get her, and not because he and maybe gonna be wants the end to raise me. her, but he just wants no, he, to save one more. Well, he. He saved her, and then she got friggin' taken by, of all people, yeah. the governor. Then Liam Neeson shows up. The governor. I have a particular sense. Oh, this skills. movie got re- got compared to to Taken. Oh, to Taken. Of course it did. And and the the director said, um, "I've never even seen Taken. Fucking hell!" <laughs> <laughs> In her Scottish accent. Wow. <laughs> Fucking hell. Freedom. 
Yeah. Well, it could be compared to Old Boy as well with the hammer violence. But so he goes to the governor's mansion, and I only have, if Nino would have been his. Oh, don't say it. I have written down miniatures <laughs> in my notes. At the governor's mansion? Did he have miniatures of He things? was playing with a dollhouse. That's what it is. Yeah, the little rocking chairs and the doll. Just, she did, well, I mean, I don't know if it was in the novella or what she came up with, but I can't imagine mobsters had a dollhouse, right? Yeah. But, I mean, that that's brilliant writing because you're just like, this guy is one sick fuck. Yeah. I mean, and then again, they come in with Angel Baby. Yeah, that that song is was a brilliant choice, and, yeah. and she talks in a couple of interviews about not being sure if that was the right choice or not. But I think it was. I, yeah, it totally works because you're just like, I mean, it just raises your your intensity up one more notch. So, have you had a spiritual moment in this movie yet? Nope. Oh, uh, and my my clip is actually from the end. My but, spiritual moment is the end. Holy shit. How do we do this all the time? This, this, is, not this is not all planned. This is not planned. Well, um, so Joe um, puts the hammer down on security in the governor's mansion again, which yeah. this is fun. You know, and, and in one of the interviews, the director said she'd never done action before. And, and she I wanted think to she do does it a different. really good, I, she's really great at it. Yep. It's not over the top. It's not super gory. The sound design's really great. And, and you know, she's somebody that's, an auteur is creative, doesn't want to do, wants it to be different, yeah. you know? And, and even when they film that, a lot of time, like you just see the body down and him walking away from it. Yeah. Because they had already done the hammer swing on the yeah. guys you in know, the hotel yeah. room. It, like it would be over the Redundant. top. It was just so much hammer. Yeah. And I bet Joaquin Phoenix is like, I'm not swinging the hammer this much. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm going to walk away from we it. We already did it. Like the Hulk. Um, so what I think is really cool about this movie is, is how it ends. He, he ends up in the governor's bedroom. Which is weird. He's got this like four post bed. It looks like a little kid's bed, but a giant version of it. And the governor is dead on the floor. His throat slit wide open. Dead on the floor. Yep. And in one of, I think, the most striking visuals of this movie is Nina sitting at a TV dinner stand eating the governor's dinner, I assume, with her bloody hands. Da- yeah, down at the dinner table. Well, what about what what was your take on him ripping his shirt off when he found the governor dead, having that breakdown? Um, I think Jess and I talked about this. Okay, cuz I, I I wrote down my take. I think it's because you might think, "Oh, he wanted to do the revenge." I think it's because he knows what happens. And he laments the fact that he knows that Nina did it and mm-hmm. that she now has blood on her hands, literally. Yes. He he, he lost his shit. He had yeah. a breakdown because Nina had to kill. <coughs> Excuse me. Had to kill him. I mean, she didn't have to, but she did. Or the fact that she did and commit murder. she didn't escape. You know what I mean? So I think yeah, she's, she's... still in zombie mode. He knows that she's definitely a ruined person without a lot of yeah. help and a lot of guidance. But, the, the, you know, and he couldn't take it so much that he rips his shirt off. It's really intense. Yeah. Really and again, intense. totally improv, guaranteed. Yeah. The wardrobe people are like, God damn it. We only had one <laughs> How of How many those. shirts do we got to get? <laughs> oh, you're going <laughs> to do it again, go Joaquin? Go to Walmart. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Somebody go to Kmart. Get a whole bunch more shirts. This guy's nuts. And so the end of the movie, I think, is kind of interesting. And it's it's a nice ending. They're in a diner. And what surprised me, I'm sure what will surprise a lot of people, is the he's shot in the back of the head and falls face down onto the diner table. 
And I was like, or no, he he brings a gun up and shoots himself in the in the chin. And I'm like, okay, I believe it. The blood comes squirting out the top of his head. Bam, down on the dead. thing. Like, okay, that's baller, I guess. That's yeah. what you're going to do. And then the waitress walks over. Like nothing's and, and lays, lays down the check in a pot in a puddle of blood and says, "Have a nice day." And again, <laughs> at this point in the movie, for a second, I'm going to admit this, and I'm embarrassed. I was like, "Oh yeah, this is like a Twin Peaks thing. This shit just happens every day." The waitress is like, "Dead guy. All right, fine. This kid's going to pay the check." No way. For a second. Okay. And then you, you realize you can it's have obviously a second. Uh, <laughs> it's not a real thing that happens. And then you hear, "Oh, you got a clip here." Okay. Yeah, well, it's it's really essentially my clip is the last line, and, and it's it's a lot of it, it's not a and there's not a lot is of it, dialogue. Is it what she says to Joe? But uh, yeah, so this is kind of the last few lines of the. Well, then that's my spiritual moment. Holy cow, this is funny. You're playing a recording of it. Ambient sound, sorry. Then the song comes in. What? Let's go. It's a beautiful day. So what I have is, um, once we get done baking the cake, there we go. Sorry. This, despite all Operator the hell, error. despite all the hell that uh, that they've been through, the child can be in the moment of a beautiful day, and that's why the so title see, "It's a Beautiful Day." I love. I be a winner. I wonder if a marketing company changed it or probably. I I think that's a. I think that's. I don't know enough. I think about that's the perfect, industry, but. Um, damn. Yeah. And, and by that time, a lot has happened in that last scene, like him committing suicide, seemingly. Yeah. But I would think if he would commit suicide, he would have beat himself to death with a hammer. Your thoughts? <laughs> or or uh, a more effective uh, Ziploc bag, because he's doing that throughout that's the whole right. movie. So, I I. It, that's the big shock surprise scene there, and and I'm kind of I was a little bit on the fence at first with it because you know the fake. Yeah, why? You know, because it? it was so intense, and then oh, you know, haha, it didn't happen. You know, one of those. Um, but I don't think it takes away from it. No. A, a lot of people really talked about you know the intensity and stuff, and then oh, it didn't really happen. Yeah. Um, well, one of my favorite things that the director said in an interview about the improvisation, yeah, is that he would do different takes on things, and she said. Sometimes when he'd walk on set or he walked into the scene, it looked like the devil was coming. She oh. said she said at one point he walked on set and it looked like the devil was coming to take my soul. Wow. And I believe her. He he had a few scenes that he looked like that. Like the way he walks with the, yeah. the hood up, like it's the it's the shoulder death coming. The shoulder swagger, yeah. Um and that's all actor choices. You know, I mean, she directed him and and what was on the page, what was on the page. But he created a character that I think had a, like, 
you know, was totally damaged and he's listening to fireworks nonstop in his head. That's all he hears, you know, but all the stuff with the dad and maybe abuse to the mom never comes to bear. It's just a part of who he is, a scarred veteran who's seen horror through his childhood, horror and war. Yeah. As they show him giving a candy bar to a kid and then the kid is shot and by another kid. And takes a candy bar. For a candy bar. Yeah. What the fuck? So this is a really... Yeah, Jesus. it's PTSD, and it kind of lines up with your Rollins movie, you know, where, where oh, he's he never suffering died, yeah. from... Yeah. What was that one called again? He Never Died. Yeah, that's right. Well, um, this was... This reviews? Was, yeah, I've got reviews. Um, <laughs> there were 760-something reviews for this movie. Well, on, on uh, Amazon, there were like 2,600 um, 2, people and three stars. Three stars? Okay. At, uh, for 2,600 people. On IMDb, it's, it's very, very positive. A lot of people, um, the negative reviews had problems with the flashbacks Thought it was too artsy fartsy. Thought it was too slow, which I do not get at all. Too slow. Too slow. I made it twenty minutes in and nothing happened. I'm like, okay, well, what were I, you smoking? Yeah. Well, here we go. The one out of ten review is titled "Holy Smokes," <laughs> and I didn't mean that in a good way. This is what happens when you smoke too much weed. You make a movie like this, a jumbled mess that only a stoner could appreciate. Then he wouldn't remember it afterwards anyway. Probably was the producer's plan all along. All 15 producers, apparently. Yeah, because they wrote and directed it. This was WTF hour and a half of my life. Joaquin Phoenix can be good at times, but the dude is one strange bird. Don't know if he's a stoner, but what do you think? He's actually eliciting feedback from his IMDb review. <laughs> I heard he spends all his time in Colorado, and he's not there shopping for shoes. That says it all right there. So many worthless scenes that should have never made it in this movie. It's like they had a certain amount of time to kill, so they just put anything in there to fill the time. What's worse is this actually could have been a decent flick if everyone would have been sober. They all got to smoke, and all I got out of the deal was a few bucks taken out of my wallet. <sighs> they probably all got paid in a bag of weed, and Joaquin headed off to, into the mountains. Some critics out there who wouldn't know a good movie if it shot their mama... That was the sentence. Some critics out there who wouldn't know a good movie if it shot their mama. Well, at least we know I watched it that far. This movie should have been called Jeez. J-E-E-Z. <laughs> this movie should have been called Jeez. Yeah. Like, golly. Golly. Whoops. My IQ is far south of 100. Kids in danger and being trafficked. Jeez. So I, I, maybe that's an ironic, po like that's like a stoner commenting. Uh, but we got a 10 out of 10. And I try to, try to pick uh, equally weird good ones. Um, this took some doing, I'll be honest. <laughs> but this is titled Wonderful. I picked this up at a local video store thinking it will be good acting, but probably yuck at all else. Was I wrong or what? I see it's free on Prime. And I'm just filling these spaces with letters to qualify for a review because mere words can't get at this work of art. <laughs> art. So unique. 
refreshing. I noticed the screenplay and directing were by the same person. Does that make for a better movie? It did with Sling Blade, didn't it? <laughs> wow. <laughs> the only one that they know that. Uh-huh. I, though now, way, am I going to like this in 89 minutes? You can't do anything while wrong again. That's the literal sentence. I'm going to read it again. I, though, now, way am I going to like this in, 88, in 89 minutes? You can't do anything while wrong again. This person, I pray, kicks out more stuff. Good for Amazon Studios and Phoenix, of course. I can't watch Phoenix without wanting to look at the YouTube silliness on the Letterman show, Past Gladiator. Now, she has literally, (laughs) she's referencing what you were referencing about when Joaquin Phoenix did his crazy thing. Yeah. I can't watch Phoenix without wanting to look at the YouTube silliness on the Letterman show, Post Gladiator, where he was so loaded. This thing just got funnier, funnier and funner. Acting was awesome. Score, sounds, music, wow. Just a wow's a show. So this person thought the movie just got funner and funner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you did pick a couple weird ones. That's. I, I, I'm not going to say I got funner. <laughs> I haven't I, used the word funner since I was eight. Would you say more fun? <laughs> Delightful? Uh, no. I, it wasn't funner. It was, you know. This is one intense movie. The word fun... I don't know if fits anywhere. Okay, I will say there are a couple of light moments. You know, him with his mom. It's not totally dour. But, but, but they last a millisecond. It's pretty intense. But uh, this is a nice movie. Well done. Yeah. It was, like I told you, it was on my list to watch yeah. before you picked it, uh-huh. which was kind of cool. Because it was one of those like, yeah, I want to watch it later, later, later. Um, but then when I saw it, it was an you know, hour and 29 and, and kind of an you know easily digestible and then, you know, the, the cover, you know, him holding the hammer, you know, there's <laughs> going to be a lot of fun there. Yeah. Yeah. And it would be nice to know what happened with the title and why it changed. Because well, I, you know. If you all know out there in the podcast diverse podcast listening verse, a little independent podcast at gmail.com, email us. If you were part of this movie, one of the 15 producers on it. <laughs> <laughs> Send us and, a Mercedes. And if you're with Firefly, you know, a little, little verse reference there for you in the verse, right? Did you catch that? Did I, you know you did that? I did. Ain't no power in the verse. Gonna, yeah. Can stop you. Can, is going to stop me. Um, so thank you for suggesting this. This was fun. It wasn't fun. It wasn't funner. <laughs> it was more fun. Uh, it, was, it was intensely delightful. I watched it after band practice, so I didn't have a palate cleanser afterwards. So, you know, I think I had bad dreams uh, the other night, but... Well, this is why you're so tired. It's okay. Probably. (laughs) It's worth it. (laughs) Well, thank you, listeners, for listening to our podcast, and we thank you for your support. If you have constructive criticism or thoughts or ideas for movies that you'd want us to do, please email us at a littleindependentpodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, hey, until next time, Todd. Wait for it. Wait for it. We'll always have Monty Doro. Who are those guys? Who are those guys? You'll love it. It's just a little bit. Love it. It's just a little You'll love it. It's just a little independent. You're going to love it. It's just a little independent. 
like I'm introducing a movie to you. Like you're about to. Oh. Yeah. All right, so, yeah, yeah. Just a little independent.